everyone. Welcome to the Meal Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Nixon. I'm really excited today. It's our last episode of the year. Well, except for the final one where I'm just going to talk and give tips for the holidays. But I'm really excited for today's guest. Um, we kind of came together at the last minute, and it was just amazing and awesome because we're going to talk about something that's really near and dear to me, which is mental health. A lot of people feel shame or confused or they don't know how to express themselves. And um, so that's what we're going to talk about today in this episode. So Brie, hello. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you about this topic. Um, I feel like so many people, and I know I did too when I was first diagnosed with depression and OCD, I, I carried a lot of shame and then I realized mental illness is not shame. So I'm glad we're talking about this. But for everyone who's not super familiar with you already, why don't you just kind of give us a quick little bit about yourself and how you got here and why this is something you're so passionate to talk about today. Oh gosh. Okay. I have been... I've been vegetarian for probably two years, vegan now for about a year, but vegan junk food. <laughs> and I ended up stumbling across Happy Herbivore from Forks Over Knives and reading some of those books mm. and have been trying, um, bless you for progress, not perfection. <laughs> <laughs> also but very important yeah, for mental health. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to be more whole foods, plant-based. And I, um, probably about five or six years ago, actually started suffering from pretty severe panic attacks and anxiety. I have now actually agoraphobia with panic disorder. The panic attacks have gotten so bad that my traveling space has become very, very small. And I'm hoping that with the Whole Foods plant-based and now um, from your podcast, I learned more about meditation. Didn't realize I was doing it wrong when my mind wanders <laughs> everywhere. So yes, it's so hard. <laughs> Yeah, totally thought I was absolutely out of my mind. Loved that he said he thought about Teletubbies and you think about Doritos. Because I know I'm not alone in the weird, weird mind wandering. Oh, yeah, it's totally weird. Totally weird. Yeah, I've just, I decided that I really find that a lot of people are very embarrassed and ashamed about any sort of mental health or mental illness. And it's not okay. So I want to try and bring more awareness to that. Make it okay. And so you've started blogging about it. I did. I did. I started about um, maybe two weeks ago now. I decided I was going to put myself out there, which mm -hmm. is very I hard mean, for me. I'm very introverted. Amazing. Yeah. And so far, it seems to be received pretty well. I've got some people that follow me pretty um, almost daily where they're trying to catch up. And I'm trying to put out four or five a week, but it's been kind of cathartic. That was what I was going to ask you is if it, what inspired you? Was it that you want to get the message out there or was this a part of your therapy? You know, it was a little bit of both. I thought that maybe writing about it would make it more okay for myself rather than holding it all inside. Plus I wanted to get it out there for other people who are going through that where they can go, Oh, okay. Somebody else is going through this too. I get it. I'm not alone. So one thing that um, I see a lot is people don't want to even give the time to mental health. Like they just are so busy. They have so many other things going on that they just think, oh, well, I'll just deal with that later. Like if they're feeling, you know, sad or emotional that we don't want to experience our feelings anymore. Have you noticed that? I have. And it seems like people feel like they have to be strong mm -hmm. 
And so you don't even want to admit that you're having any trouble because it makes you feel like you're weak or there's Mm -hmm. something wrong with you. And that's totally not the case. It's almost like you've been strong for too long and you need to be able to step back and take care of yourself before you can take care of anybody else. I'm really glad that you brought that up because it was something I was just thinking about this week, actually, was I noticed that I don't know if it's the culture we're creating with things like Facebook, but I feel like you can't ever be weak or sad or strong. Like you have to constantly look like you're living this perfect, amazing life. And, um, and so I love that you brought that up because I was realizing that and I'm like, And sometimes what spawned my initial thought was a friend of mine who I know is really struggling. We've been talking a lot about it. She's really depressed right now. And and that's fine. It happens. We have these lulls in our life. But she's like putting all these things on Facebook where if you just saw her Facebook, you would think like everything's perfect and going her way. And sometimes I wonder if she would just be honest, if she would get what it is that she actually needs instead of like faking it? I don't know. So I wanted to get your opinion because what you said made me think of that about how we have this intense pressure to make it seem like everything's perfect all the time. We really do. We do. And I, I'm finally getting to the point where I kind of just don't care anymore. I want to wear even like a button at work that says, (gasps) I have panic disorder. Ask me about it. Because even at work, and I'm blessed with um, a group of coworkers who are fantastic. I took three weeks off of work for medical leave to try and deal with my anxiety and panic attacks. Um, And they have been so, so supportive that I realized it's actually better to come out and talk about it because they didn't know that there was anything wrong until Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it was like, she's going to be gone for three weeks. Wait, what? Yeah. And so now that I'm, I'm back and they've been asking questions. Now they're starting to understand and they're reading the blog and kind of going, Oh, I never realized that was the case because a lot of times they think, Oh, well, I get anxious too, or I have anxiety sometimes. And it's not the same thing as having mm-hmm. an anxiety disorder. Right. Absolutely. It was, I had this really sort of breakthrough moment with my mom. So I, I, my whole life I had panic and anxiety attacks and nobody ever figured it out or diagnosed me. And, um, I, I subsequently learned, and I was explaining this to my mom about all these things that had happened in my childhood and how that was my OCD and it was manifesting as my anxiety. And I was having like a panic attack and, um, she just like, she was like, oh my God, like I actually watched her body like slouch down because it was making sense to her and she had like relief and like regret. And she just, it was this really great moment where she was like, oh my God, I had no idea. And it just like completely changed everything and our relationship. Exactly. Exactly. She didn't know like the coworkers, like they just don't know, but then, oh. Yeah. Once you hear it, once you figure out what it is, it's Mm -hmm. like everything kind of clicks and makes sense. I'm very fortunate in the fact that, well, fortunate, I don't know if that's the right word. My mom and my sister both suffer from panic attacks. Mm, So they can relate to you. Very much. And my husband has OCD and anxiety as well. So I have a really good support system who actually truly does understand where I'm coming from, where it's not, you know, okay, that doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense. I don't get that, but I'm trying to be supportive. They really do get that. And I know a lot of people don't have that. They don't have a good support system that really understands. And it's one thing to show compassion and to try and help 
But it's just a complete another level when you have somebody who can actually really, truly understand what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And that's part of why I tried to put the blog out there. I wanted to give other people that sense of here's somebody who really gets what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I was diagnosed with OCD, I was really relieved because I was like, okay, it's, I'm not crazy. Like there's (laughs) actually like, because, and in the same thing when I was depressed is like, I was like really sad and depressed and people would tell me like, I have bullshit problems or to stop being a drama queen. It's like, they, they couldn't. And that hurt, but I was like, I, I want to get out of bed. I do. I just can't. And they're like, yes, you can. You just get up. I'm like, but I can't. And um, But it was the same thing with my OCD. I was like, you don't understand. I can't help myself. I, I have to, like, organize this thing. No, I can't. I can't. I have to do it. And they just couldn't understand. Or they'd be like, you're just crazy. And when I got diagnosed, I was so relieved. I was like, see? I can't help myself. But um, then at the same time, I, I didn't know anyone else who had this problem. And I, I didn't before, but even after my diagnosis. And then I finally met a woman who had OCD and the exact kind of OCD I had. And it manifested in the exact same way mine did. And I was like you said, it t- relate to someone to connect to someone who understands so acutely how you feel and what it's like I oh it was the most amazing thing and so that's why I encourage people to talk about it because there are other people that are probably suffering secretly and quiet and think they're so alone and you can be so therapeutic to each other exactly exactly I work in a, a clinical setting and I have found that even when I'm talking to Um, patients that come in, if I open that door and say, oh yeah, you know, I had a panic attack this morning or my anxiety was really bad or, you know, I wanted to go out to this event, but my agoraphobia really kicked in and I I stayed home. They kind of almost have like this light that kind of dawns in their face and then they'll start talking and sharing what they go through. And it's almost like they seem a little bit kind of relieved and grateful that that door was open because Mm -hmm. they were able to relate to somebody else without feeling like, oh my God, I can't say anything because how embarrassing or people are going to think that there's something wrong with me. Right. And that's, that's important too, is there isn't, that's what we all think. Oh, there's something wrong with me. And it's, it's not that something's wrong with you. I tell people that all the time. I'm not broken. I don't need to be fixed. I just live in a different reality. Exactly. Or, or my reality isn't the same as yours, or I just live in a world that's different than me, but I'm not broken. <laughs> like You don't exactly. need to fix me. There is no fixing me. This is my life. I'm going to live and die with OCD. I just, <laughs> you're not going to cure it. <laughs> so one thing when um, we were emailing before you came on is you said something that I just, I loved, and it was that um, you can't look at a person and know that they have a mental illness or what they're kind of going through. You know, it's not like a broken arm or there's this cast. And so it's super obvious. You just, you can't see it. And in some ways that's good. And in some ways it's bad. And there's this quote that I love and I post it all the time is like, every person you meet is fighting a battle you don't know. Exactly. And so, you know, when you said that in your emails, like, oh, she's so, she gets it. But that's so true. Like you just, you... And it's all true. Like the person that cuts you off, you know, you want to scream and curse at them and call them a jerk, but you don't know. Maybe they're on their way to see someone in their last moments. Like you just don't know. Or maybe they're like super depressed. You just, I mean, there's so many things you just don't know about other people. And a lot of times people look fine. I mean, I looked fine. No one thought I was depressed. It was shocking to people when I was like, yeah, I just didn't come out of my house for two weeks because I was so depressed. Exactly. That's why I don't like when people use the word normal, like they say, Mm -hmm. well, I want to be normal. 
What is normal? Who defines that? If everybody was normal, we'd all be the exact same way, Mm -hmm. exact same everything. And nobody is. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a normal. I think everybody has something, like you said, something different that's going on in their lives. We don't know anybody's story. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to, I I almost want to have that word completely banished from the dictionary because I just, I think normal just comes with so many bad thoughts in people's minds. They're like, oh, if, if I didn't have my anxiety, I'd be normal. Or if I weighed less, I'd be normal. And mm-hmm. it's, just, it's not the case. There is no normal. Being different is being normal. My sister actually hates the word normal. And she has since we were children. And she would get really mad anytime someone said anything about, can't you be more normal? And her response, even as a kid, was the only way to get normal is to take more than one thing and average them together. So never one thing can ever be normal. Like she, that was like, I mean, she'd say this when she was eight. And when I was a kid, I was like, oh, she's being embarrassing. But now I'm like, she's so right. She was so brilliant. (laughs) She's still brilliant. But I really loved that she embraced the anything but normal (laughs) and she still does she's just like I do what I do what makes me happy and I remember once um I was like Courtney you know you should maybe put a belt with those pants or whatever and she was like I don't think so and then I was like but that's like they're they're supposed to be worn with a belt and she's like that's just your interpretation like she just wasn't gonna go (laughs) and this whole conversation kind of went in a circle and then finally I I think I said something like well what will other people think or we were going maybe to a restaurant or something and she's like these people are not important to my life why would I put their opinions of me above my opinion of myself and I was like oh yeah that's so true (laughs) she's she's amazing like she's always been really in touch yeah she's just like I live my life for me I'm like I need to be like I want to be you when I grow up (laughs) (laughs) but yeah she just she lives so free and um she really doesn't care what other people think like when she says it that's really true I say it I don't mean it (laughs) and especially now like I feel And not just because I've taken on this role of a public figure, but just like, again, going back to Facebook, because my life is always on display among friends and coworkers and former coworkers and ex-boyfriends and whatever. It's like we almost become addicted to the praise, like the likes and stuff of other people. And that like takes us further away from that whole for it matters what I think of myself and not you. We get addicted to their approval of us. Yes. Exactly. And then we want to please them some more. It's awful. And it makes it hard when you do want that approval to try and be honest with what you're going through because you don't want somebody to think less of you because you have panic attacks or bipolar disorder, OCD. Mm-hmm. And that's immediately where your mind goes. If I say this, what are they going to think of me? And that should never be the case. It should be, here's who I am. This is a part of me. Mm-hmm. Love me anyway. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, not, you don't love me, what's to say? Not in spite of it or something. Like, not, don't try to remove this or take this away. This is the whole package. You know, if you take this one thing away from me, I will not be me anymore. Exactly. I won't still, you know, I have to have my my OCD to do the things that I do. And um, sometimes my OCD is very annoying, but other times, you know. I'm like, oh, it helped me see this different pattern that other people maybe didn't see in in my industry. So, Right, and like you said, those different things about us make us Mm -hmm. who we are. 
you can't expect somebody to to change one part of them, especially something like that, that is not something they have any control over. You can't have somebody change that or get frustrated when they aren't able to, or if they struggle with it, it's just who they are. Mm -hmm. And if my husband did not put the cap on the chapstick eight times, I would never know for sure if it was (laughs) or not. (laughs) Yeah. That's just part of who he is. I know my house is locked up tight at night because of his OCD. You know, it's, it's a bonus in that sense. Absolutely. Yeah, I know my husband's like, I never can't find things because everything has a place in our house. <laughs> and on that side note, if I try to move something to a new home, no, 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 that doesn't go well. It was funny when one of my things with my OCD that was like a breakthrough or that I like had to learn was I used to say, and this goes back to normal, so I think you'll like it, is um, Scott would like make the bed and I'd be like, no, that's not right. And what I had to come to realize, it's not that it's wrong. It's just not the way I preferred it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Again, there's no normal. (laughs) Yeah, we have that problem with the dishwasher. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, mm. Yeah. And my friend that I was just talking to my friend's husband, they have one of those sinks that has the divider line between it. Like, so it's one big sink, but there's two sections because it's divided and one's right. like a garbage disposal and one's not, whatever. Anyway, they've been married for 10 years and, and the husband joked, he's like, I feel the one side is for dirty and the other side is for clean, but it's wet. It needs to dry off. My wife thinks both sides are for dirty. <laughs> he's like, and it's been 10 years and we still haven't sorted out this problem. and I was just like I think everybody interpersonal dynamics you know yeah um but as long as you can make it work (laughs) right so for me um I had to learn all kinds of different strategies to be able to live because, you know, the thing with mental illness is you do have to learn to live with it. It's not something that's going to go away. You have to find your strategies and your workarounds. Um, so it doesn't like spin out of control and go crazy. And, um, you know, you already mentioned earlier that you've done some meditation. And for me, I swear, live, die by yoga and meditation. Maybe you could talk to us about some other strategies you do, or maybe some that your husband does for people who are listening, who are like, I know I have to do something, but I don't know what to do. You know, I'm actually still kind of learning a little bit. Um, I finally, I want to say gave in a couple years ago, Um, when I got to the point where I realized I couldn't do it alone and I did start seeing uh, a therapist, which has been Mm -hmm. instrumental, aside from the fact that he feels I need to come to conclusions on my own, which drives me nuts because I want (laughs) to... Just tell me, gosh. Just tell me. Yes, I know. I feel the same way every time in therapy. I'm like, just tell me. Tell me. What do I need to do? What? What's the answer? I'm better when I get there on my own, you know, which works okay. But I find... um, Actually, you have been very instrumental. Um, I, like I said, I'm starting the meditation, so I'm trying that. But I've also found that for me, listening to music and now mm. your podcast, because it's something <laughs> I'm very, very interested in and it holds my attention, it's able to pull me away from whatever is going on in my mind. So I'm focusing more on something mm-hmm. else. And that does help for me. Um, I tend to, one of my triggers is heat or if I don't feel great. And like if I start to, you know, feel a little bit queasy because I'm getting too warm. So summer for me, not so great. That's why I like Minnesota. It's cold. <laughs> um, ice packs oh. really help. 
for whatever reason, don't know, but they do really help. And um, something else that you did was I started reading your Minimalist Monday series. I oh, had yeah. Cleared out the entire house. I went through, got the hubby's permission, had a huge tote, filled the entire thing up almost twice. And now I walk into various rooms. My kitchen counters are completely bare. Mm, isn't it amazing? The toaster is sitting there. Um, and I love it. It's so much more peaceful for me. I walk into my closet and I go, okay, what am I going to wear for work? And I have half of what I had to choose from. It's, it still feels like a lot, but I find for me that having order, mm-hmm. it makes a big difference for me. Um, I'm definitely somebody who does better on a schedule. So if I can make a to-do list for the weekend, that makes me feel better. Um, my husband also pushes me out of my comfort zone a little bit. He will get me to do something spontaneous on the weekends close to home, mm-hmm. which helps me make that transition a little bit easier. I do stuff close to home, so I feel like I'm still in that comfort zone, mm-hmm. yet I'm pushing it a little bit. So I know if I need to go somewhere, I'm safe, mm-hmm. but I'm still making myself try something new. I love which that. Is really instrumental in helping. It's made a difference for sure. I love that you brought up the environment and also having structure and discipline because I am <laughs> like everyone who works with me says that I run my life like I'm in the military because I am so but it really allows me to thrive both professionally because I'm really awesome as met like time management and productivity when I have everything scheduled. But I just feel like so much more sense of calm because I get a lot of anxiety by unknowns. Like I don't know what's going on. Like I if I can just know and if it doesn't go according to plan, that's fine. But like just have like a guideline like I'll go on a trip I'm actually leaving on Monday and I'm like okay I'm gonna plan out these clothes it might come Tuesday and I don't actually wear the blue sweater and the jeans that I thought I would wear on Tuesday but it, it just makes me feel better um which <laughs> is the, is my OCD like completely you know she's out and proud at that moment but <laughs> I love it and that's one of the reasons why I started with the meal plans was because I was like I need to know on Sunday what I'm eating every day for the week. It's one less thing I need to think about. I'm not going to spend all afternoon going, oh, what am I going to make for dinner? Or do I need to go to the grocery store? Do I have time to go to the grocery store? How long is it going to take it? I, because I'll just like <laughs> spiral out. The same thing. And uh, But the environment, I'm glad you said that because it's the same for me. When I started minimizing and clearing stuff out of my house, just like, like you said, keeping all the counters clean, it did wonders for me. I can't figure out why, but I think I just... Um, I'm not distracted or I'm not feeling anxious and I don't lose things anymore. And I, cause I used to feel so much anxiety. Like what if I can't find it? Like I would lay awake at night because I wouldn't know where my wedding ring was cause I had taken it off, but did I take it off in the shower? Did I t- so then I would get out of bed at two o'clock in the morning and like tear my house apart until I found it. And the whole time it was like sitting next to Scott on the nightstand. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> or as he would say, like Tasmanian Lindsay would come, like he would come into a room and everything would be out of every drawer. I mean, I, I mean, there would just be, it, I would just make this huge mess because I was looking for like a green scarf or something, you know? Um, but when I started minimizing and I really reduced, I no longer have this problem because I know where everything is and everything has a house, as Scott likes to say. <laughs> and I know, but I don't. No more Tasmania. <laughs> but it's nice though, because now 
And I, you probably have the same thing at your house. Like I can almost at night in the dark, I can walk through my house and I can find exactly what I'm looking for without mm-hmm. having to turn on a light because I know where it's going to be. Yes. Yes. And it's so, so nice. It is. And I'm just, I don't have that. It seems so silly. I'm like, I can't believe how much uh, stress and anxiety I, I had over those things. And at the time, you don't think you have them. But then once you find your way, you're like, oh, right. my God, I was really stressed and anxious about that all the time. Like, I used to go to the grocery store, a big ball of nerves. And it was because I didn't have a shopping list. And so then I'd be like, what did I need? Did I have this at home? Do I do I have that at home? I don't remember if I have that at home. But now, because I have a pre-made shopping list and I check it, everything in my pantry before I go, I just go and I, like, go through what I leave. And I'm like, wow, I didn't sit in my car and cry. This is amazing. Yeah, exactly. I know. I do have to tell you, unrelated to the anxiety thing, I completely blame you for this. Oh, no. Coworkers think I am so nuts. My lunch, probably three days a week at work because I'm still not great on the meal plans. Progress, not perfection. (laughs) Uh, Happens to be potatoes with mustard. Oh, my God, yes. All day. Yeah. Love them. Love them. Love them. Love them. People think I'm so crazy weird for that, but I just had to throw that in as a thank you because they are fantastic. They are. I know people are not believers until they eat them. Exactly. But it's, and that's one of my things that keeps me from not feeling anxious because I always have potatoes on hand. So I know like, okay, no matter what life throws at me, I have some potatoes and mustard. Exactly. I mean, I've left my house and gone to the movies and like whipped p- potatoes out of my purse in the movie theater. And my friends look at me and they're like, you are really getting weird. And I'm like thinking of my sister and I'm like, it only matters what I think of myself. And I like my potatoes and my mustard. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole time we've been talking, I have been seeing this cute little kitty ears coming down into the screen. And of course, people are listening. So they're not seeing this kitty. But yes, I, I think you have a kitty. I have seven kitties. Seven kitties? <laughs> they are all rescues. Oh, it's amazing. Yes, they are between the ages of five and almost seven months. Let me see if I can grab this one, little guy, for you here real quick. Here. Is this the one that has been peaked? Oh, my God, baby. Hi, baby. Oh, you are so beautiful. Hi, baby. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's going to try and click buttons on the computer, so that's maybe not a good idea. That's yes, good. we have seven. Um, we... Ended up with a cat by um, just fate, I guess. My <laughs> husband got a cat that hated him from his sister, and they snowballed. So we now have seven. <laughs> uh, so one thing, um, I love that you have, it's amazing that you've rescued seven cats. But one thing that um, I hear all the time is that animals are very therapeutic. Have you found that to be true for you? They are very, very much so. Um, there's nothing quite like, and I'm sure you know, coming home, mm-hmm. Even if you have a stressful day and there's somebody there that just wants your hug and your time and your love and, oh, by the way, feed me because I've been starving. <laughs> I feel very needed. Um, but I have one of my, my cats. We have one girl and the rest are boys. And we had to put down a cat three years ago. And my girl, Kitty, had never, ever, ever slept in bed with me, ever. And it was such a stressful event for me. That was my first ever real pet. And she slept in bed with me in his spot for the first three nights after he was gone. So they are most definitely therapeutic. And because they're all so young, they are absolutely crazy, insane, (laughs) not cases. So it's always a happy laughing time here at the house. I loved what you said about how when you come home, they're just like so happy 
and you know to see you. And then of course they need you because they're hungry. But one thing I thought about was earlier we were saying, you know, love me for all that I am, everything that I come with. Don't try to change me or wish away one thing. And that's exactly what cats and dogs do. Or even birds, you know, yeah. whatever your, you know, your animal companion is, they do take you for who you are and love you. And they don't know you any other way and don't want you any other way because they're your, you're their human. Exactly. It's completely unconditional. And it's okay to have bad days in front of them. And it just makes you feel so much better. Yeah, it's amazing that we will have a bad day or cry or, you know, even walk around naked in front of our cats. But then if another human's involved, even if it's our spouse, we're like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so. you should be able to be that open with most people. Maybe not walking around naked. But... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unless you're at a nudist resort, in which I guess that would well, be expected. You know, okay. <laughs> I guess the other thing that I found that's really worked for me, and maybe not everybody, um, I'd like to know kind of what you thought about it, but running. Because mm. for me, that's a time when I can go out and nobody, nobody is doing it but me. I am mm-hmm. doing it myself. I'm pushing myself as hard as I can, or maybe not as hard as I can. But it gives me a chance to kind of say, all right, what can you do? Mm-hmm. And it gives me a chance to kind of push through those barriers and say, if I'm not going to feel good, it's because I'm pushing myself to that max. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to do it, well, I'm doing it to myself. You know, it's no outside anything causing it. It's not crowds. It's not the sun. It's not 90 degrees. You know, I'm, I'm allowing myself to kind of get that, that level of discomfort, mm-hmm. but I'm doing it kind of in a safe way. Like I'm in control of how much discomfort I'm going to feel. Right. I love that. And it's very true. Um, I ran my first marathon when I was studying for the bar exam and everyone thought I was crazy. And I had done it because I thought it would be like this great stress reliever. And and it was, but what it ended up becoming is it was this, this other thing in my life that was just for me and just mine and nobody could bother me. Nobody could take it away from me. Nobody could, you know, come into me. Like it was just my time with myself. And a lot of times I, you know, I would break down and cry or I I just would allow myself to finally feel all these emotions. And like you said, but it was on my terms. It was only to whatever level I was comforted in. It wasn't spilling out of control. It was just, uh, I'm going to have these feelings and I'm going to push myself and um, just let it out. Like have something in my life more than this stupid bar exam. Yes, exactly. And now that's that's yoga for me. Even though I do take it in a class, yoga is still very much individual. There's someone telling you what to do, you know, I'll go into this position, but it's not a group sport by any by any means. Oh. <laughs> and um, I, it's really and it's always what I make it. You know, I could go in a beginner's class and make it extremely challenging if I want to or I could, you know, it's all about me and like you said, um the feelings are in my control. And I, I, I love that. Yeah. I do really like being able to, to do that or to give that to myself. And that seems to be, you know, I think even for my husband, kind of being in control of those feelings and being able to say, okay, this is going to make me uncomfortable, but I know that I'm choosing to do it anyway, because it's going to benefit me Mm -hmm. is kind of really a nice, I don't know. It's just, it's a nice way to, to try and go at it sometimes. Yeah. Rather than just saying, okay, this is going to be really, really hard. So I'm going to ignore it because that's easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My husband and I, it's, um, 
we just went skydiving and my husband is deathly afraid of heights. He's so scared. And when he said he wanted, yeah. And so, um, when I had mentioned it, I was expecting him to be like, have a nice time, you know, but (laughs) he went and then I was like, Oh my God, he's not really going to do this. He's not really going to go on an airplane. And he, I mean, everyone was looking at Scott like, oh, God, this guy is not doing well. That's not doing well. I mean, I could feel like I'm starting to get anxious, like thinking about how he looked like because I was like, oh, my God, he's so like anxious. He's so freaking out. He was so uncomfortable. And he did it. He, he got out of the airplane. I couldn't believe it. I was like, did he do that? That really happened? I was so proud. But anyway, afterward, when it happened, you know, and he was like, um, so emotional. He was tearing up. He was, he hugged his jumper person and said the thank you for getting me on the ground and all this. And I was like, why did you do it if it was so terrible? And he was like, because sometimes you have to do the things that you don't want to do. Sometimes you have to make yourself do something that's so incredibly uncomfortable and scary because if you don't ever face it, you don't ever grow. And I was like, that's such a good point. That's very true. Very, very true. And I kind of do that a little bit with running with myself mm-hmm. because I I will say one of the things that I like to tell myself is if I don't do it, I'll never know if I could. That's a good point. That's amazing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that way. Just living on the edge sometimes to know, like you said, you won't ever know and you won't ever grow or exciting. There's so many things you'll miss out on. I mean, I was so terrified of the chairlift that I didn't even want to try to snowboard because I didn't want to get on the chairlift. I was so, so scared of it. And I'm still not the most comfortable on the chairlift. I'm not as scared as I was. Like I would cling to everything in sight and cry. But now I'm like, geez, I would have missed out on so many amazing things. Like I love snowboarding and I love some of the views. I would have missed out on all of that if I just stayed not on not gotten on the chairlift and stayed in the like kind of lodge area because I was too busy being scared of the chairlift well and as long as you get out and try yeah even even for somebody with you know panic disorder or the agoraphobia even if you try if you don't make it at least you know you tried you put in effort maybe next time you get a little bit further or you'll be able Mm -hmm. to do something a little bit more extreme or out of your comfort zone but it's better to try and to not make your goal than to never try at all. Yeah. And um, even if, like you said, you even if you aren't successful in the way you think, you still are successful and that will help you get a little bit further next time. Right. You know, so even if like, okay, I'm going to try, I'm going to, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. But the fact that you got up and tried, that's still a success and it will make it better, easier, you know, you'll get further next time. And I feel that way about everything. When we want to change something, even if it's a positive change, you know, everyone wants to go from zero to like 180. And I love to use the marathon actually as an example. If we decided to run a marathon today, we wouldn't actually expect ourselves to get up and go run 26 miles. Like, we would think, okay, I should start walking. And then, all right, let me run a mile. Let me run two miles. Like you would train, you would build up to it. But with anything else in life, we expect it to happen the next day. Like when I I was really depressed, I just thought one day I would wake up and magically be happy. But it was like, no, there was so much work to do. It was such a long process. And the same with OCD and anxiety. I just, every day it's like, all right, let's see what we can do. Let's do our best. Sometimes it doesn't go so good. Some days it goes better, but, um, 
even getting like a better relationship and control with my OCD, it was not over. It was not overnight. It was a long process of trial and error of what works and what doesn't. And was that your experience too? That is. Yeah. I'm actually very much kind of an all or nothing person. <laughs> and <laughs> <Me too. laughs> I've found that that's something I really have to work on because like you said, it's not going to be fixed overnight. And I thought that if mm-hmm. I you know, started running, it, it would be all better by the end of the week and I wasn't going to have any trouble. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I learned from my therapist was that when you get really, really good at trying to deal with your anxiety one way, say from exercise or meditation or whatever, the anxiety isn't going to give up its hold that easily. It's going to find another door to come through. Just because you managed one thing really mm-hmm. well, it's going to try and get you from another direction. So it's kind of going to be an ongoing battle and it's something that you always have to work on. And I've learned that rather than trying to fight it, it's actually been better for me to try and accept it and go, okay, come on, bring it on. What have Uh you got? I can handle this. I can manage through this. And sometimes I do okay and sometimes I don't. I had a panic attack yesterday morning and i was absolutely out of commission for most of the day which you know wasn't so great at work but you know i i stuck it out through most of the day and came home and just kind of had to veg and go okay you stayed there you got through it it wasn't pretty but at least you didn't run home yeah and that's still, that's progress like we're saying progress yeah. like perfection it really applies it's just a little bit more every day Um, I don't know why this is, but every time before I go on a vacation, I like lose my crap and I don't want to go. And I like try to bargain with not going and how much I don't want to go. And I'm, it's fine. Every time I go, I'm fine. I have a good time. But even when like my own parents are coming to visit me, I'm like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And my husband's (laughs) like, I don't know why you do this. You do this every time. I, but I, I just, I'm going to have a panic attack at some point between now and Monday when I get on the airplane, it's going to happen. It's just. I'm trying to set myself up for now. <laughs> I'm going to handle it. But it's like you said, I stopped trying to play the whack-a-mole game. I'm like, because you whack one mole and another one pops up. Exactly. So now I'm just like, okay, why don't you come up? I'm going to pet you. I'm going <laughs> to give you some food. And then maybe you'll go back in your hall on your own and maybe come back out again tomorrow so I can have some time to myself. It's <laughs> just like, I'm done trying to whack you. Exactly, yeah. You can't fight it. I mean... It's going to be something that you live with. It's better to mm-hmm. try and learn to live with it than fight against it. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, OCD gave me wings. I mean, it definitely has its downfalls, but I try to embrace it as my secret power and um, try to like love it and embrace it and use it to my advantage and not like hate it the whole time. Because I also think just having a bad attitude about you know, oh, I'm going to be, I have, I have anxiety disorder. It's terrible. It's horrible. Don't hate that about yourself. Love it about yourself because it gives you something. There's always that, you know, positive benefit in everything. And for me, because, and like your husband, because I'm so like hypersensitive to certain things like locking doors, we're, we have the added bonus of always being safe. Exactly. <laughs> and I've or over prepared. Like there's never a time where we're without like food or band-aids or something because, <laughs> Me and my OCD, I'm the walking pharmacy. Exactly. Yeah, and my anxiety, I've kind of come to embrace it. In one of my blog posts, I titled it Anxiety is a Gift, which mm-hmm. I absolutely thought my therapist was the one who needed therapy when he told me that, because that just sounds absolutely insane to me. But 
I found out that he's kind of right because I noticed that when I start to get more anxious, there's something going on that's causing that. And as I'm able to kind of step back and go, okay, Mm -hmm. wait a minute, I'm noticing this is bubbling up. It's starting to get bad. What's triggering it? And what can I do to try and work with that? Yes. That's such an important point that a lot of times when you start to feel the anxiety or you start with me when I spiral out of control with my obsessive compulsive of like, say, organizing or cleaning, I know that something else in my life is going on. And this is my way of being a checks and balances saying, hey, something's going on. You know, are you not dealing with some other? And sometimes it's so random. Like I I'm I'm like frantically cleaning or organizing and freaking out that I need to like, I, this is so embarrassing. I actually did this recently. I vacuumed every drawer in my house and I was like freaking out because I couldn't get every little tiny bit. And, um, oh no, I think I lost you nope. again. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> no, but I was marveling like, over the fact that you are not alone because I did that last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Um, so yeah, I like did that and I ended up realizing I was frantically cleaning, vacuuming, freaking out because I couldn't get every little piece out of the corner. And I was like, why am I doing this? This is like ridiculous. I sh- this is something else is happening. And what it was is there was this person in my life that had like really hurt me and they'd hurt me a few times and I needed to like get them out of my life. Like I needed to clean them out of my life or at the very least like talk to them and explain what was happening and how I was feeling. But because I wasn't doing those things, I was like thrusting all of those emotions into my cabinets. Exactly. Exactly. I notice that happens too sometimes for me if I'm getting really stressed out about um, you know, like a holiday or something and trying to coordinate families, mm-hmm. or if I have something going on at work, I will find myself feeling that anxiety building or, you know, like when I have a run that I'm doing, I will get really, really anxious about that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I don't know, it's kind of a good, it's almost a good system to kind of step back and go, okay, what's going on in my life that isn't quite mm-hmm. right right now? And how do I address that? Yes, very true. Very true. It's your warning sign, like something's happening. And it um, is definitely. But, but yes, above all, just knowing that most people aren't alone. Because you're you were nodding when I was talking. I was nodding when you were talking. <laughs> there was so much nodding going on. But I think that's the truth. I think that a lot of people feel these ways, do these things, and they never talk about it because I don't know. They think they have to feel embarrassed. But you shouldn't feel embarrassed. Not ever. Um, you know, talk to someone. Talk to your friends. Go online. That's one thing that I I hope to do when I talk about my depression. And, you know, my depression came the more successful I become. It was one of those things where everyone, like you said, again, normal, oh, they're just happy, successful. And it was like, no, sometimes that's when it happens. It's not when things are going badly for you. Sometimes it's when things are otherwise going great and you just lose yourself in depression. I had horrible founder's depression. It was so, so horrible. And unfortunately, a lot of CEOs end up committing suicide from founder's depression. But no one ever talks about how depressing it can be to be successful because it feels like you can't be depressed about that. But sometimes success is the worst thing that can happen to a person. And um, unfortunately, we see that with celebrities who overdose quite often. Right, exactly. So... Well, it's been amazing having you on today. I know everyone's probably going to want to read your blog now. So maybe you can tell us where we can read it and learn some more. Sure. It is myanxiouslife.org. I love that. My anxious life. <laughs> Thank you. Do you have any final? Oh, so sorry. Oh. Do you have any uh, final closing thoughts or suggestions or 
things you want to say to other members? Because I know in the forums and in the private group, we do sometimes get very personal. And we do often open up as a group and talk about some mental issues or mental health or even just that we're not feeling happy. Um, we can be a little more real, let our hair down privately. But anyway, um, anything else you'd like to share to listeners and members that maybe feel anxious or some other kind of illness and feel alone? You know, I do think it's really important to talk about it to people. Everybody should have at least one person in their life that you can turn to with absolutely anything. And I think it's very important to to open up and to talk about it. it. It's nothing to be ashamed of, no matter what kind of illness it is. If it's, you know, if you have cancer or bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, panic attacks, OCD, you know, anything. Don't be ashamed of it. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. There are so many other people out there dealing with it. Panic disorders, if I remember correctly, I believe the NAMI Foundation said it's like 80 million adults suffer from panic disorders. Wow. So I believe we're that. not alone at all. And I think it's just important to talk about it and get it out there. Open that awareness. Yeah. And of course, know that another person that you see um, you can't know what's going on and they may look completely perfect and reasonable and happy and then they're not. And, you know, maybe they are struggling with the same thing you are. or Maybe it's something else. But, you know, just like you put on a mask, so do they. Exactly. And you never know what anybody else is going through. And try not to take anything personally, because chances are if somebody is being short with you, it's not you. It's something that's going on in their life. That's very true. I also find when someone can be very dogmatic about something or very aggressive with you, it usually says way more about them than it is about you. And um, they're battling their own inner demons. So something hard, harder to like kind of accept. But once you do, you start to feel a little bit better, especially when um, people can be hypercritical. Exactly. So, but anyway, thank you so much for coming on and letting me see your kitties. I got to meet at least two during this cast, which I don't usually get to meet animals on the podcast. So this was very exciting. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. Um, but thanks again. And, um, I guess, yeah, last episode, one more episode, um, team HH and I will be talking about surviving the holidays. That's always uh, talk about a time for anxiety. So this is a perfect <laughs> lean into that. I think we all feel added stresses and pressures and anxiety with, families and holidays exactly and, um oh goodness yeah so now's the time to get that meditation practice and not thinking about teletubbies when we meditate no <laughs> which is an inside joke from matt's <laughs> podcast everyone needs to listen to it and i also had jocelyn on a few episodes ago who also did a meditative podcast and hers she actually leads you into a meditation in the podcast I so if you're curious you yeah yeah, make sure you listen to her. Um, her voice is so soothing. But, um, but anyway, so that's it. Lindsay from Meal Mentor. You can learn more at GetMealPlans.com. And thanks again to my co-pilot today and for helping me talk about such an important topic. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.